Romans chapter number 12. And we're going to look at a kind of a topical message tonight, Romans chapter number 12. And the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I'm going to give you a heads up as far as this message goes. Probably going to be a real long introduction tonight, but just kind of a short message. But let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we are cognizant of the time tonight, Lord, and we want to be productive in this, 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 these few 25 or 30 minutes that we have together, Lord. I pray that as we look into the Word of God, Lord, that it would help us to, to draw closer to you, Lord. Help us to realize that uh, you have a definite plan for our life, God, and I pray that you'd help us as we go up the road tonight to uh, more, uh, more uh, precisely figure that will out for our life, God. And we know some things are just definite. Some things are not up for debate. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, help me to preach the word of God with liberty, with clarity of thought, with unction, with power. And Lord, I pray that we would be listeners. I pray that we wouldn't be just listeners or hearers of the word of God, but we would be doers also. And Lord, we'll pray that you would meet with us tonight. Lord, I pray that you might save that one that's nearest hell that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, we thank you for the, the two that were baptized tonight. Thank you for those uh, professions of faith that they had made, Lord, and now serving you in baptism. God, I pray that you bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. If you know anything about the, the book of Romans and about the Bible, Romans chapter number 12 is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And here Paul, he makes an appeal. He says, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he's making an appeal. He's, he's beseeching you. He's, he's begging us. He says, I'm, I'm begging you. And then he goes on and says, he mentions an action here. He says, I want you to present your bodies. You know, isn't it an interesting thing in our Christian life that we know that our body belongs to Christ, but yet Paul here is telling us, hey, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. It sounds like sometimes we, we know that our body belongs to God, but sometimes we like to take it back and do our own thing and serve ourselves. And Paul's saying, hey, I want you to present your bodies. Then he goes on to say in verse number two, and be not conformed to this world. He speaks here about our association. He says, hey, don't be conformed to the world. Don't associate with the world. He says, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he makes an appeal. He talks about an action. Then he talks about our association. And then he talks about our accomplishment. You say, well, where is that found? Look at verse number two in that latter part. It says, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul's saying, I want you to prove it. That doesn't mean prove it like you're going to prove an answer to somebody or prove what you believe, but you're going to figure out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so Paul's saying, here's an accomplishment that you can do. And when we figure out the will of God for our life, our mind will be satisfied. Our, the master will be glorified, and then also men will be edified. And what we mean by that, men will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If we'll just present our body and we'll not associate with the world, we can see the will of God. We can prove it. We can find it out. We can figure it out. And I want to make just a basic statement tonight. Most, the most important thing to know in your life and in my life is where 
will you spend eternity? Hands down, that's the most important thing, is where will you spend eternity? We're thankful for the two that got saved this week and others. But uh, that's the most important. Are you saved? But next, after you get saved, where do you go from there? The next most important thing is to know and to do the will of God. That's the most important thing after salvation is to know the will of God and then to do the will of God. You know, how would you define success tonight? Would you define it by maybe money in the bank? Would you define it by maybe a a successful career? Would you define it by prestige? Would you define it by maybe a nice house or nice cars in the driveway or maybe a large amount of influence? How would you define success? A lot of those things I just said, that would be the world's definition of success, to have a a giant 5,000 square foot house and jaguars in the driveway or multiple uh, cars and all this type of stuff. That's the world's definition. But what is the Bible's definition of success? That's what matters. What is the Bible's definition of success? Let's look at Joshua 1 and verse number 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then the Bible goes on to say, For then then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, And then thou shalt have good success. The Bible says, hey, if you'll you'll keep the Bible within you, if you'll keep it in your heart, if you'll meditate on it all the time, if you'll observe and, and do it, the Bible says you will have good success. The Bible says then you'll be prosperous and then you'll have good success. Someone wants to find success as this. Look, Look what we put up here. Knowing the will of God and doing it. If you want to be successful, don't worry about the mansions. Don't worry about the the cars in your driveway. Don't worry about prestige. Don't worry about your names being up on a billboard or anything like that. Worry about knowing the will of God and doing it. I put this statement up. If you miss God's will for your life, you can't truly be called successful for you have wasted the life that God has given you. If you take your life and you don't do it according to God's will, you have wasted your, your life. You say, well, how can you say that? I've, I've amassed a bunch of money in my 401k, and I've amassed a bunch of money in my Roth IRAs, and I've, I've done this, or I've done that, or I have 20 people under me, or 50 people under me, and all that. That's not success according to the Bible. The Bible talks about how we are to know God's will. Now, we are just coming through graduation season. We're coming through kindergarten graduation. We're coming through high school graduation. We're coming through college graduation. And uh, especially concerning high school and college, there's a big question mark in their life. And they begin to think, what is God's will for my life? And if you were, if you were here during our graduation services, you saw where people would come across, across the platform and they would read what their plans are and what their desire and what their goal is. But I guarantee you in the back of their mind, they're thinking, is that really God's will for my life? You know, when when death or the rapture comes, I want to be in the center of God's will. I want to be there. I don't want to be have flounder. I don't want to be the person, well, Brother Mark used to do this for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. He used to serve. But until the day God calls me home by way of death or by way of rapture, I want to be in God's will. Tonight, God has a desire for your life. 
God has a desire for my life. He has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. My job and your job is to find that purpose and that plan and do it. Years ago, there was a fella, a young adult, he was attending Tennessee Temple uh, years ago, and he went before Dr. Lee Robertson. You know, the, the college there was running thousands and thousands, and this young man was distraught about what to do about his future, and he came to Dr. Lee Robertson. He be, sat down with Dr. Robertson, and he began to say, Dr. Robertson, I, I, I don't know about my life. I don't know which direction I should go, and he just sat there and listened and listened, and I, I could, I've been around him just once or twice. I could just Im about imagine about what he was like, just real calm and soaking it in and he pulled out a piece of paper and he pulled out a pen and he just scribbled something down on it and he held it up to the young man it was a question mark and he said young man this is your life isn't it right now and he said, I'll pray with you about it. You know, Dr. Lee Robertson couldn't tell him the will of God as far as the exact particulars. But I wonder if tonight, each and every one of us, if we'd be honest, maybe we have a question mark in our mind about what does God want for me specifically? And tonight, we're going to look at God's will for your life and for mine. As we think about the church, the body of Christ, not everyone can be the head or the ear or the foot, but all parts work together for the good of the body. Every part matters. You say, well how, well, how does every part matter? Does a toe matter? Well, if you were to take a hammer and hit that toe, I guarantee you you're going to think that body part matters. If you were to take a stick and hit your, your shin, boy, you'd think, boy, that, that part matters right there. Every part matters. You know what? I can't be the soloist. I'll be honest with you, I'm envious of those that can sing well and have a strong, booming voice. I can't do that, but God has certain ones to be a soloist. Uh, not all of us can be Pastor Gammons. Not all of us can be the choir director. Not all of us can be the bus director or whatever, but each of us play a part. And some of you, it's God's will for you to be maybe a computer programmer or maybe a nurse or maybe a CEO or maybe a, a business owner or maybe a surgeon or maybe an educator. But God does have a will for your life, no matter what that might be. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just a mechanic or I'm just a landscaper. But you know what the truth of the matter is? You can be just as much in the center of God's will as a pastor, or as a choir director, or as a CEO. We can all be in the center of God's will and do what he has for us. God uses the hand. God uses the foot. God uses the elbow. All are for his glory. You know, sometimes we might think of ourselves as small and unimportant in this vast universe, but I want to remind you tonight, you are important to God. You are important to God. Don't miss God's will because you are so wrapped up in how important God's will is or, or how important it must be. Don't get so wrapped up in it. Just do what you know to do. Sometimes we think God likes to hide his will from us. You know, here God, is he's over in the corner, he's got his will, and he's got it tucked behind his shirt, and he just wants to say, I wonder if so-and-so can find it. God's not like that. God's saying, here's, your, here's my will for your life. Take it. Take it. Just partake of it. He wants you to do his will. Don't miss God's will because you are frustrated. Maybe you're, you're a young lady and you're 24 years of age or 26 and you're thinking, man, when is Mr. Right ever going to come along? And you begin to get frustrated and you just think, well, I'm just going to settle for anybody. Don't do that. Don't get frustrated. Let God put it together. Whatever your case might be, don't rush it. The Bible says, be still 
and know that I'm, I'm God. God wants us sometimes, don't, we, don't, we shouldn't just rush into things. Let us, let's wait upon God. It could be that God will show his will out of nowhere. God will never give you more of his will if you're not willing to obey the will you already know. Every person can be in the will of God tonight. Every child, every teenager, every young adult, every middle-aged adult, every older adult, every single person, every married person, every boy, every girl, everyone in this auditorium can be in God's will. What do we know to be the will of God? Real quickly, what do we know to be the will of God? I jotted down a few things. God's will for our lives is to be born again and baptized and be a member of a Bible-preaching church. I mean, that's God's will. You say, well, how do you know that, Brother Mark? The Bible says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then we see the biblical example of people, once they get saved, they are baptized, and we see how they're added to the church. That's God's will for our life. You say, well, I'm saved, but I don't know about getting baptized. I mean, I don't want to make it public, and I don't want to join a church. I don't want to be committed. Then you're not in God's will. You need to be a member of a good Bible-preaching church. And I'm a little biased. Woodland Baptist Church. Uh, I'm teasing. I know you need to be where God wants you. But uh, we need to be in the center of God's will. God's will for our lives is that we come to church. And I know this is Sunday night. We're preaching to the choir. But you might say maybe you're listening by way of radio or by way of, you're watching by way of live stream. You say, well, I don't, I don't really believe that I need to be physically at church. Well, I kindly say that then you're not in the will of God. If you're able to be here, you should be here. And that's God's will for our life. The Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. What's the next word? Together. We can't be together if you're at home on the TV. And I understand there's circumstances where you're not able. Maybe you're sick or maybe you just physically can't be here. But if you're able, you should be here because that's where we are together. God's will is for us to be saved, born again, baptized, a member of a church, come into church. But you know what? God's will also for our life is to tithe, to give 10% of our gross income. You say, well, is it net or is it the gross? The government takes out their part. That's not that. God shouldn't get dinged for that. It's the gross income back to God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. We're to lay it, lay it to, at Jesus' feet. God's will for our lives is to read, study, and memorize the Bible. I mean, that's God's will. We, I was talking with somebody a few days ago, and I used this phrase so often, and I beat it down and beat it down. Why? Because I found it true to be in, in my life. Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. It's not a, just a cliche. It is so much the truth. If you say, well, Brother Mark, I am struggling with this sin so much. Get in the Word of God. Be around the book. God will help you. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God's will for our lives, what is it? It's for us to serve him. The Bible says, John 15 and verse number 16, ye have not chosen me, 
but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. We're supposed to bring forth fruit. A lot of questions in life won't seem so important if we just, know, if we just do what we know God wants us to do. We get so enamored with the, 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 the unknown, but let's just do the known will of God. Let's do what we know. God reveals his will to those that are working in his will already. You think about the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. They were abiding in the field. What were they doing? They were keeping watch over their flock by night. What happens after that? God comes and speaks to them and tells them where the Lord Jesus is going to be. What were they doing? They were working. How about David? Ever before, ever before he slung that, that rock and it hit uh, Goliath right in the forehead and Goliath went down, what was he doing? He was tending to the sheep. What about Gideon? Ever, ever before God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, you're a mighty man. I know he was scared, but even before that, what was he doing? He was working in the wine press. God will show his will to you if you will just stay busy working for him, serving him. When God called Elisha to take up the mantle and serve after Elijah, what was Elisha doing? He was serving the man of God. He was, he was already working. How about Amos? We call him one of the minor prophets, but he went and preached and cried before Israel. What was he doing? He was a herdsman. He was busy working. Let's be busy. Let's be about the Father's business. All the disciples, you think about them, they were either fishing, they were their tax collecting, and before Jesus comes and says, come and follow me, they were working. The, the moral of the story is let's be working. Let me ask you tonight, are you obeying the will of God that you already know? Are you obeying what you know to be true in the word of God? You know, is God speaking to you to do something that you know you should do? Maybe there's a bus you could drive. Maybe there's a, a seat in the choir you could fill. Maybe there's a baby in the nursery you could hold. Maybe there's an usher's badge that you can wear and help usher. Maybe there's a greeting position you can fill. Maybe there's a bus worker position that you can fill. Here's what Jesus said in John 4 and verse number 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Here's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he says, hey, my will, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and I like that, and to finish his work. Let's finish his work. You know, you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed in the garden. He sweat drops of blood. He was there and crying in agony. He said, not my will, but thine be done. He was all-knowing. He was omniscient. He knew, he knew what lied ahead. He knew that he was going to be scourged. He knew he was going to have a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He knew his beard was going to be ripped and plucked out. He knew he was going to be spat upon. He knew he was going to be cursed at. He knew he was going to be mocked. He knew he was going to be nailed to a cross. He knew his side was going to be pierced, and yet he says, not my will, but thine be done. None of that stopped him, but yet sometimes somebody doesn't shake our hand, and what happens? We blow out of church and think, boy, no one's kind over there at Woodland, or we get crossways with another member, and we get, we, we we're out of church. Hey, what's it going to take to stop you? God, Jesus' Christ's desire was to do the will of God. And we want to look at very quickly tonight, three, I know it's going to sound like a lot, it's not, 623, I'm aware of the time. Three things about the will of God. Number one, the science of his will. 
You know, I said we can know God's will for our life. How can we know it? Look at Colossians 1 and verse number 9, the science of his will. It says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. So Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, and he said, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know what that tells me? We can know God's will. We've got to make it a science. We've got to study it. Look at Ephesians 5, verse number 17. It says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We can understand. It's interesting to me, the Bible says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So if you don't know what the will of the Lord is, the Bible is calling us unwise. May we get that wisdom that we understand what God has for our life. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 7, it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. So the Bible is telling us, husbands, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. That's to make a science out of your wife. Uh, that means to study her, to know her, to know what makes her tick, to know what makes, what, to, to know what makes her get ticked off, too. You know, we want to study our wives. But the Bible is saying that's the same word there, that we need to have the knowledge of his will. All right, let me ask you tonight, are you making it a science to study the will of God? Are you studying it? Are you looking at the word of God and figuring out what he has for your life? You say, well, Brother Mark, I don't know if I should be doing this exact vocation. But we know from the Bible that we're to do certain things that are in the word of God. We need to pay attention to the written will of God. So the science of his will. And then number two, the standpoint of about his will. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Mark? What I mean here is the approach or our attitude or the style in which we go about doing God's will. And I want to encourage you and encourage myself. Let's throw ourselves into the will of God. Let's throw ourselves with all our might and with all our power. You know, God's business is the greatest business in all the world. You know, you say, well, I'm not a full-time Christian servant, but you're a full-time Christian, or you should be. And that's the greatest business is to edify him, glorify him. But you know what? Then to take our life and, and witness to others and be, a, be a, a, a proclaimer of the gospel. Ephesians 6 and verse number 6, it says, Servants, be obedient, unto, uh, be obedient to them that are masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as unto Christ. And it says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, and then I like this phrase, doing the will of God from the heart. This Christian life needs to be done from the heart. I don't want to lose heart. And I pray that tonight I'm not doing this just out of the flesh, but I'm doing it from the heart to try to be a blessing. And that's how we should live our Christian life, to do it from the heart. You know, nothing, there's nothing like seeing a sports team that has passion, and that has heart. That's one of the reasons I enjoy watching collegiate sports because they haven't got the big contract and they're not just sitting on their, their big paychecks, but they're, they're striving for that, but they have that passion and they have that goal and they have that drive. There's nothing like that passion. I think about the Apostle Paul where he wrote in Philippians. He says, but this one thing I do. The Apostle Paul had passion. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark 
Paul was passionate. He was focused. He was laser focused. There's nothing like a group of employees with passion to build the best company they can. There's nothing like a church with passion to reach the lost, reach the community for Christ. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse number 10, it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. How are you tonight? Do you have passion or have you lost it? You say, well, I used to be passionate about the bus ministry. I used to be passionate about reaching souls for Christ. I used to be passionate about coming to church, but now it's another service come and gone. Are we passionate? Do it with thy might. And then he says, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You know what Solomon's saying? He's saying you only get one chance at this thing called life. We only get one chance. Years ago, there was a British missionary named C.T. Studd, and you're gonna have to please excuse me for reading this, but I came across this poem. Boy, what a good poem. It says, two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon with its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let me love thy, uh, thy, with fervor burn. Do you have that fervor? And from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Let me now say thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, "'Twas worth it all. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last." I think C.T. Studd was laser-focused. I think he was, he was just passionate about serving Christ. Let me ask you, are you eagerly making God's will a science in your life? What is your standpoint about God's will? Are you doing it with passion? Are you doing it with all your heart? You know, we accept then number three, in closing, number three, the submission to his will. Christ prayed, not my will, 
but thine be done. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels. There was a story about a lady who lived 100 years ago. Within a six-month time, she lost seven of her relatives, buried seven different relatives. And after that six months, she tragically, her husband got on a ship, and the ship capsized and sank to the ocean floor. Her pastor, being the good pastor that he was, uh, grabbed his wife and he said, let's go visit this newfound widow in our church. And so he went to this widow and he said, ma'am, he said, you seem so peaceful. And this new widow looked back at the pastor and the pastor's wife. He said, I am so brokenhearted, so hurt and so sad, but why shouldn't I have peace? Because this must have been the will of God for my life. You know, it sounds like she was praying the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know. Maybe there's a dark, lonesome valley. But I want you to rest assured, God is in control. All our fiery trials are filtered through the Father's hand. Nothing gets to us without the permission of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Nothing takes God by surprise. Maybe that health crisis you're going through tonight. Maybe that relationship issue you've been going through. Maybe that spiritual battle. Let me encourage you, submit to the will of God. He has a will for our life. Let's submit to it. Let's not fight it. Let's not push against it. Let's realize he is in control. Those of you that have a Schofield Bible, you might recognize his name, William Pettinghill. His name's in the front of our Schofield Bible. And, mo- and here's what he wrote. He wrote down years ago. He said, most of us, Do not want to know the will of God in order to do it. We want to know the will of God in order to consider it. Boy, how many times do we want to know God's will? God reveals it to us and we say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that with my life. I'm not going to serve. I I know I should be faithful to church, but I I don't know about that. I know I should give our tithes. I don't don't know if I can do that. I know I should take tracts with me and witness, but... and you make up a reason, I can't talk, or I stutter, or I don't know what to say. We, 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 we want to know God's will in order to not to do it, but we just want to consider it. You know, we think to ourselves, I'd like to know more about the Bible, but I'll just consider it. You know, our first and only answer to God should be yes. Nothing means more than to be in the center of God's will. Don't make the will of God uh, some giant mountain. It's just obedience. That's the, what's the will of God is. You, know, you might say, well, I don't know what to do with my life. Just be faithful. You say, well, how can I know the, word, the, the will of God for my life? Five simple things. The word of God, the spirit of God, the peace of God, the shepherd of God, and then the house of God. If you will stay around those five things, God will help you. You know, there's so many names for the word of God. We call it the Holy Bible. We call it the Holy Scriptures. We call it God's Word. We call it the Word of God. But you know what we could really put on the front of our Bible? We could put down right here, the will of God. This is God's will for our life. We don't have to wonder. There might be a few particulars, a few specifics, but God's will is contained right here. You know, I've heard stories of where people will come to a pastor, and maybe that's even happened to our preacher, where they say, I know it's the will of God for me to, and they, they, they talk about some sin that they want to do. It's never God's will for your life to go against what the Word of God says. You can't justify it. You can't explain it away. You can't make up reasons. It's not God's will for you to get, go against the will of God. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, God wants to reveal his will through us, through his word. You know, you, maybe you don't know exactly who to marry. Maybe you don't know what career path to take. Maybe you won't know unless, but you won't know unless you're willing to obey the written will of God. We need to make it a science. We need to do it with passion. We need to submit to his will. Why not use an old-fashioned altar tonight? I'm going to turn the invitation over to the preacher.